You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. So for lack of a better way to start the show this week, we'll go ahead and get started. And we have a slightly different cast. Welcome, folks, to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 202. It's a palindrome. We're backwards, forwards, upside down, every way you look at us. Well, I'm not going to go that far. We're, we're almost the same in any way you would look at us. But again, we have a problem. Green we've Tree... Missed, we've it, missed the mark again. We've completely missed the mark again. Green Tree seems to think that just because he's getting an education to better himself, he's too good to participate in our little show. A hoity-toity education. I yeah, mean, okay, so, so you got a degree to hang on the wall. I've got like, uh, let me see, about 29 degrees here right now. So You're jumping the gun there. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. So, premature weather forecast. Yeah, you okay. prematured your weather there. So, But we did find a very able and very well-known person to at least a lot of people on Twitter and somebody whose work both Mike and I admire. We have hmm. with us this week Mr. Antonio Rosario. Hello, Antonio, and welcome. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Mike. Thanks Thanks for having me on this show. Yeah, Palindrome, I was going to say, a man, a plan, a canal, Panama, but uh, I like 202 better. Yeah. 202 is a, two, you've been 202 episodes? Congratulations. We have, well, we, the show has been on 202. We took over on episode 53 wow. or 54. Wow. All right. So we've been doing it for a while. Well, congratulations, nevertheless. Thank that's, you very much. That's uh, stick to Yeah. We are a very sticky bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, we, we stick to all kinds of things. but uh, <laughs> Throw it on the wall, see if it sticks. Yeah, there you go. Um, are uh, we past the 9 o'clock hour? Can we talk? In, <laughs> in certain- <laughs> uh, we, we're, we're good. Um, but first of all, we have to start with the part of the show that Mark hates the most and the part I always make him listen to. What has now become, and he titled it himself, the world-famous weather report. And Mark absolutely hates this part of the show. It's actually pretty hot for me here in Virginia. It's 46 degrees. I mean, it's getting Awesome. Really? Yeah, that's kind of warm. Well, we got twenty, just about twenty-five degrees here this week. Uh, week we were up to like forty-six. It was good snow-killing weather. That crap's almost gone. So, my poor little white angels. <laughs> yeah, the little white assassins. You mean? Wow. We had up we, to we tended this week. 60, Ooh, sixty-five maybe. Yeah, we did. Oh, uh, we got up to seventy yesterday. Actually, really? Yeah. Oh, oh that's my kind of weather. <laughs> I don't have to worry about you know putting a coat on to step outside. I don't have to shovel you know stuff off the sidewalk. Um, it's it's just comfortable. I can go outside and relax. So three weeks ago we had the the what four weeks ago we had the, the twenty nine inches. I was doing a actually I was recording a podcast with Bart, and as the day started, Bart do shots, and uh, I'm looking out the window. And he was like, and I took a picture, and he's like. Oh, that looks not so bad. I'm like, it's just the beginning of the day. It's nine inches. It's going to go up to 24. And he's like, yikes. (laughs) Yeah, we got 30. uh, I mentioned we got 38 inches is what I lost measurement of here out on the deck. So that was. I I think we had like six or eight, which isn't that much. But in South Dakota, the the uh, snow tends to go horizontally because it's flat, open, and a lot of wind. (laughs) So, yeah, who knows? Because, you know, your six inches, if you, you know, blow it off the side of a building, can end up being a couple feet. So. Right, it's all stuck to the to the left side of the building, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, we still have. Uh, I tweeted out a couple pictures yesterday. I still have a little bit of snow out front, 
it's where it piled up from the snowblower where it was about as tall as I am. So uh, it was almost six foot tall pile of snow out there. So it's still hanging on. I think it was a couple of years ago when Boston had a pile of snow that didn't melt until like August or September. Last year when they had like a hundred and some hey, inches of yeah, snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. If you go to the parking lots around here, there's huge piles of snow still. Yeah. We so. have none. We have very little left over from that big storm. It's been because uh, we had a really nasty rain a few days ago, maybe last week sometime. Yeah. Mm. It was crazy rain too we had winds like 30 40 miles an hour and and horizontal rain and it washed most of it away i mean there's still like little traces but but man we're in like the 50s today or actually yesterday today was like 45 maybe so yeah how does your sewer system handle that i mean does it overflow or does it take it away pretty good in New York, it depends i mean if they clean out the you know the gratings from from all the you know leaves it's not so bad we don't get that much flooding. We did have flooding uh, about a month and a half ago, maybe, or maybe a little bit more. Um, there was a high tide and there was a big wind. And down in the uh, area that I go to a lot to photograph called Red Hook, it's the uh, waterfront section. Uh, there were there was floods down there, so um, cool. just wasn't able to. They weren't able to clean it out. So, but generally it's okay. Mm. We don't we don't get that much flooding. Mm. And we get these alerts. My iPhone flips out once in a while, <laughs> scares the crap out of me. All of a sudden in the middle of the night. Ah! You know, I was going to say, you know, some sort of, you know, flash flood alert. I'm like, it's Brooklyn. Nobody, it's not going to flash flood in Brooklyn. Yeah. Now, we actually do get those around here, but uh, my kids always say, well, what happens? I said, you know, we're up on a hill. If the water gets up this high, we got some other really big problems. (laughs) Right. I'm on the 12th floor. If there's there's water, (laughs) bigger problems. Yeah. It starts coming under your door. You might want to rethink your whole life strategy at that point. Yes. And if you see animals walking by two by two, you better go follow them and see if you're, you know, right with the world (laughs) and you're able to get on that boat. So. Yeah, well, but we we didn't have Antonio on to talk about the sewer system in New York City, but we can later. <laughs> it's a it's a vast system. <laughs> I've actually seen parts of it. I'm not going to go into that. from the inside. Uh, yes, unfortunately. Really, that's a story you'll have to tell me later. I, well, I I work in the water and sewer industry in my real job, uh-huh. so oh. you tend to get to see other things. Oh, that's intriguing. Actually, I'd like to. I can take you canoeing in some sanitary sewers if you want. It's really... <laughs> I'll have to get a throwaway camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, might, you might want to get a throwaway everything for that yeah. one. <laughs> uh, but the reason we had Antonio on is because Antonio is a great photographer. I love his street shot stuff that he does. I always find it fascinating. He and I trade comments occasionally on Twitter when I see the the good shots that he puts out there. And let me start out in the beginning this time, as opposed to I don't always start out at the end, or don't forget to say at the end. Follow Antonio on Twitter. You get some cool shots to, to take <laughs> mm-hmm. a look at. So, uh, yeah. But, I just happen to live in a neighborhood where where there's just a lot of character in, in the people that are walking around. I mean, there's character everywhere, but I just... There's something about the neighborhood I live in that's very old world New York, and being an old world New Yorker myself, I, I like seeing that character in people. And, and uh, there's a lot of immigrants, and you know, the, the old country kind of people, and it's just it's there. So um, I'm glad you like it. Thanks a lot. Oh yeah, it's, it, it fascinates me. I mean, because I, I haven't been to New York City for I think eighty was it eighty one was the last time I was in New York City. It's changed a lot. Yes. <laughs> Significantly. Yes. So um, it's been quite a while. But uh, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure it has changed quite a bit, because we were, we were in Manhattan, I guess. We were on 42nd, mm. where we stayed. So mm, pretty Antonio, much the heart of Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, and Antonio can relate to this. I mean, I was a younger, much younger man at that point, and we walked from the uh, uh, UN up to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That's a hike. <laughs> We stopped for lunch along the way. You didn't get mugged. That's surprising. <laughs> well, what was funny was every time we'd get on a bus or something when we'd ride around the city, the bus driver would go, What part of the country are you all from? You sound like you're out of the deep south. <laughs> so, oh, my. 1981 was not a very good time for New York, and the early 80s was pretty rough here, so... It sounds like it's not doing real well right at the moment. <laughs> I, I live, you know, I'm pointing out here, I live right on an, a major uh, avenue um, that is, there's a couple of hospitals not too far. Oh, okay. Before. No, that's fine. Right. I'm just well, you, this is, you get the New York ambiance, you know? Yeah, yeah so you go. You're yeah. adding audio to your, the, yeah, to your pictures now. To, so <laughs> you, you get the feel for what you do there. And, you know, I've never been to New York, so I kind of live vicariously through you just to get a little slice of that, you know, life there and all, and that stuff. And I find it interesting. I, I kind of like to see, you know, different people, different, you know, customs, different, you know, whatever. And even, and you do a, a, some of those in black and white. I always have this, I, I, I like a good black and white mm-hmm. picture. Um, so I have, you know, I, I think uh, I dabble in photography a little bit, just, you know, just enough to, you know, put a few pictures out there and you know i do like it and you know i kind of kevin asked who should we have and i said well why don't we have you on because you know uh, i take pictures i think you know kevin has shows a little interest in it and you know it's just we kind of wanted to you know get a feel for you know like your ideas on composition and this kind of stuff and um and you know and i've listened to a few of your your podcasts i'm way behind on a lot of <laughs> podcasts right now but i've listened to a few of them and i just like you because know, some of these they get bogged down in talking about the, the the cameras and the gear, and I've never wanted to go that route. I don't want a DSLR. I want just a simple. Well, it's not. I've got a uh, Samsung uh, mm-hmm. Android uh, camera because it's I can do several things with it. But you know, I just want something that I can take pictures with it, do a little processing on the camera if I want, be able to send it somewhere, save it or whatever. And you know, and I'm more interested in like, you know, composition and um you know, trying to da- take good photos rather than getting all caught up in the Bob you know, you need the, the minutia of the the gear. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, or, even the manual stuff. I know you, you do the switch to manual, switch manual but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um but uh, and I do that sometimes if I'm trying for a certain look. But a lot of the times I'm more interested in like capturing a, you know the feeling or the moment or whatever. And for me to sit there and have to dink around with the manual controls too much. Uh, you know. Ah, but that's what that's what we're you know me and my partner Tom. Yep. what we talked about is that remember when you when you went to math class and your instructor said you know you know we're gonna we're gonna teach you these things and when you take the test you can bring your calculator with you. But before then you got to know how to do everything by hand, right? Yep. And the the same idea with learning how to use your manual on your camera is like people look at their pictures or they and they say why did the camera do this why did they make these these, these decisions and you know Tom and I came up with this idea it's like well let's teach people you know how to use their camera in manual so that then you can understand why the camera is making certain decisions so it's not bad to have an automatic in fact I shoot mm-hmm. I shoot a lot in in the priority mode which we call like semi automatic. Um, because the camera does some of the heavy lifting, but I understand what decisions the camera is making, and so 
the idea of learning manual. Sometimes you have to shoot in manual. Sometimes the camera is just too mm. stupid, just like any of the computers mm. we're working with. They're just too stupid to to do what you want it to do, and you can get really frustrated trying to do that. So you just turn all that crap off, you know, and take control. It's like flying an airplane, right? You can go on autopilot, mm. but every now and then you want to fly. You actually want to take the the stick and fly and have a good time and understand what's going on because you might have to. So. Um, you know, it's it's great to learn the manual controls, but it's it's really in the purpose also of understanding why the camera is making these decisions, and then ultimately helps you make a better picture. Because photography is really about about control, like you really need to take control of what you're doing. So that's that's kind of the thing. So I would encourage you to 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 stick with trying to learn the manual mm-hmm. um, commands because that you know, it helps you. It helps you understand the photography process. And once you do that, you know, like, well, shutter speeds are helpful for stopping motion. Apertures are helpful for depth of field. And, and, you, and you know the relationship between the two controls. So that's my, my lecture. <laughs> that's, my, that's my sales pitch. Right. <laughs> but, but, no, I mean, that, that's great. I mean, we were talking pre-show. Antonio was very kind enough. I traded a few messages with him back before the holidays. He was very kind to help me in uh, deciding what camera to get my wife. I gave my wife a, I guess for lack of anything, I'll call it a high-end point-and-shoot, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, And she had been into photography. Uh, She had used a film camera. We had to clear that up before the show, too. Um, (laughs) she, She had actually used a film camera years ago. She had an old Canon. But I ended up buying her a Nikon P530 or P530, Coolpix 530. And she has had a blast uh, during the blizzard and just other different times. We have a bird feeder out back. She has been taking a lot of bird pictures. I mean, I've always captured, and I share a few now and then, uh, a lot of mornings, especially on the weekends when I'm sitting here having my breakfast, uh, we get some. I shared one, I guess it was yes, was it yesterday? We got a, one of these beautiful orange and red-headed woodpeckers that came up to the bird feeder. And the iPhone, and that's kind of where I'm headed with this, is my primary camera. That's what I take all my photographs with. Um, and, and just because it's, as they like to say, it's the camera I have with me. You know, it's, it's the one I can take it with. So I love that. But she is taking a lot of pictures with that uh, Coolpix camera. But I'm interested to hear, too, and I know you do quite a bit with your iPhone, don't you, Antonio, when you take pictures? It's a mix. I mean, I, I'm, I've been mostly... I become like a Fuji addict. Um, Fuji came out with uh, a series of cameras called the X series uh, five years ago now, and I I was shooting a lot of street photography with my iPhone, and then I found that I was sort of bumping up to some limitations, so I decided to push it a little farther. But I I do carry the the camera with me, uh, the iPhone with me all the time, and I use it, um, but maybe not as much as I used to. For, for my street photography. I am using it for a lot of other things, especially for video. Um, but you're right. It is the camera that you have with you all the time. You know, if I'm on my day job, I don't always have my other camera strapped around my, you know, my neck. And so I have my iPhone and I'll use that a lot. But, um, it's a, you know, it's a mixed thing. It's whatever I've got in front of me. Usually I've got that Fuji, though, wrapped around my neck. Um, I, and, I, and I'm a big, big fan of that, of that brand right now. And hopefully they're listening to this and they're going to hear me endorsing them. But Subtle hit for sponsor. Subtle <laughs> hit for sponsor. Well, you know, Mike, you were talking about like not wanting to get into the gear and, and it really, it really isn't about the gear, but it's about how it augments what you're doing. Right. And I found that, um, 
I was able to get a certain, like, I don't know, a nostalgia and a look to my pictures by using uh, the, the Fuji cameras. And that's actually enhanced my photography. It's, it's brought me back to, actually it's gotten back sort of the magic of the photography that, I haven't, that I've lost over time um, for a while now. And now I'm sort of back into, I don't know, something like I felt like when I first, almost like when I first picked up the camera the first time when I was like 12 years old. Not quite like that, but in that department. It's that it was a magic that I haven't experienced for a while because photography has been sort of a business for me. It's been not sort of, it's been a business for me and that's died over time. And, uh, photography, you know, I was looking at it as a way to make money rather than a way to have fun or express myself. And that's sort of shifting now as I moved into video as my primary money making thing. And now photography is becoming sort of like, you know, you guys, if it's not a profession, it's something that you do for the love of it. And yeah. so getting back into that again, um, and, and some of the gear actually can, um, help augment that feeling um in this case for me it's it happens to be a, it happens to be fuji well that's i mean are you talking like point and shoots or higher end cameras or it's what are they? yeah i can't quite call them point and shoots someone might look at them and say they're point and shoots but they're not they're they're going to be they're not dslrs i mean the, the the cameras i'm talking about the one that i have that i fall in love with is an x100t which basically looks like an old style you know maybe in a sense like a like a camera you know it's got the old retro look but it's a very high-end digital camera it's got an APS-C size sensor it's got a single lens on it that I can't change but it's got a, an incredible amount of features inside it shoots raw and JPEG and you can actually reprocess the pictures in the camera so I find myself doing that a lot so I'm not processing my pictures on the on the computer as much anymore I'm actually looking at them on the back of the camera and if I want to tweak them uh, the raw processor on the camera is actually really good and so I reprocess the picture on the back of the camera and then if I want to do more I send it to my iPad <laughs> so, okay. yeah, and I'm really trying to move away from you know, I'm sitting at a desk and i got one, two, three, four screens staring at me yeah and, I know that feeling <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm getting a little tired I used to be a bit, I'm a big advocate of Lightroom and Photoshop and I love all that stuff but there's just some times when I actually lately I've not wanted to sit in front of a computer to look at my pictures um, just like the old days with film, as we were talking about prior, you know, film is that you shot it and you dropped it off and you picked it up and you looked at it and you were done. And there was none of this really sitting around stuff unless you went into a dark room and really wanted to play. But sometimes I don't really want to go into the dark room. I just want the finished picture. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to take those steps between the time I shoot it and the time I'm showing it to people. I want to, you know, narrow it down. I don't want to spend so much time sitting on my machine now. So. I'm relying more on the camera to create better pictures and doing a, doing a little processing because I always want to do a little because um, actually I had my friend on uh, the latest Street Shots podcast and he said something profound. My friend uh, Keith Goldstein, he said, I always want to have a little bit of my signature on the picture. So he processes his pictures. And it made me think like, yes, I, I kind of want to have a little bit of my signature on the photographs as well. So I'm always going to take the pictures a little bit further than just what the camera gives me. So sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. but No, 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 that's, that's, that's good. I mean, cause, and you bring up an interesting point there too because, as I said, my wife is getting back into photography just for the pure joy of it. She has no desire whatsoever to process the pictures. She likes the idea of being able to take 50 of them and then quickly, you know, shoot, you know, get rid of you know 49 of them because they were all sucky but that that i mean that's what the that's the side of digital photography that appeals to her but then the side that doesn't and this might be something we can talk about it too 
is she still loves physical prints. She because and I'm working on getting her used to doing it that way. I mean, she's not a techno. Uh, she, I mean, she understands technology very well, but mm-hmm. she hasn't done a lot with photography and technology. And we have a CVS that's really close, so I'm showing her how you just pull them in, send them up to CVS, and within an hour you can walk up, and they'll hand you the prints. I mean, it's just that quick. But I mean, she would like. To, I think if I could get her used to it. What would be a good way for her to start getting physical prints, like in books and stuff, outside of using? Because she doesn't use uh, Mac at all. Oh, She's, not at all. So no. she wouldn't use the Apple books and stuff. No, she, now I've made them for her and given them to her as gifts, and she uh, loves them. But she's not going to use Mac. She refuses. Have you, have you heard of Blurb? No, I have not Blurb, heard of that. Blurb, Blurb, Blurb dot com. Uh, it's an interesting place because it, it's grown a lot in the past few years, but it's uh, basically you can use any computer because it uses browser-based um, uh, book-loading software, but you can create any kind of book you want. I mean, even if you're doing, you know, if you're writing a novel, you can create a novel and have them printed there. Self-publishing place. And they do a lot of photo books. And it would be maybe my second choice other than apple i mean if i cuz i have an apple so i might just use the yeah. apple but um blurb is connected to i mean if you had lightroom if you had lightroom on a computer i know you don't want to use a computer but um you can out, actually output from lightroom directly to blurb mm-hmm. but blurb has its own software both mac and pc that you can download and it gives you all the it gives you all the book layouts so you can lay your pictures out um, and drop them down there. And I think it'll also upload from, you know, if she puts her pictures on Flickr, you can just tap into a Flickr account and dump pictures from there. So I, I would look into that. The prices are not too bad. And I think the other thing you could do is leave it up there and it, as, as a self-published book. Mm-hmm. And people could buy it if they oh. like. Yeah. That would be cool. Well, what if, is that similar? To, doesn't does, uh, It's been a while since I fooled with... Uh, Snapfish, I couldn't think of it. Do they do books as well? or I haven't, I haven't used them in a while. So the, the, my guess is that a lot of these places do books. I mean, I, I do a lot of prints with Adorama, which they're based in the city, and they have a they actually have a great photo book. Um, you, you might check them out too because uh, they ship everywhere. But they have a really nice photo book that lays out flat, um, and you can get them in different sizes as well, and they have a really pretty nice software as well. So... Uh, I would look into them as well. Okay. But well, that- uh, it seems like a lot of the printing places have them. But those are the two. The, the ones I have experience with are Adorama and Blurb. There's another one called Asuka Books, but they're very expensive. But they make really nice books. Oh, well, the Apple books that I've gotten are gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the first one I gave her almost, I mean, I spent a lot of time putting it together when our children were much younger. And, I mean, it just almost brought tears to her face when she looked through <laughs> it. That's really interesting because I I made a book once for my niece, and it brought tears to her eyes too. So that's an interesting uh, <laughs> that it, that this seems to happen once you once you bring the prints and the pictures out into the real world, which I encourage a lot of people to do, because often they live on the screen and we don't, you know, it it stays you know sort of in front of us and, and sort of ethereal. And if you can print them, I like I have my own my own photo printer so i like printing myself but having them out into the real world where you can look at them and you can sort of you know when they're on your screen the photographer has no control over the size of the picture you might look at it on an iphone you might look at it on a 20 inch screen or a 30 inch screen it's always a different size the thing about a print is that it 
you've created the size of the picture that you want people to view it in. And so, well, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I've done for, you know, uh, with the pictures I've taken, um, I work as a, a custodian in the high school, and I, I haven't done it for a few years now, but for some of the graduating classes, more of the special graduating classes I have some connection with, either my kids or there's somebody in there that, you know, I, I've done it. I've taken a picture uh, of something, and then I've, uh, I like to create, I don't want to call them poems, but I create, I write something mm-hmm. and put on the picture uh, and then print them out, and I just, and I don't. I go to like Walgreens or something like that. As long as it looks halfway decent, you know, it's pretty good. And and I print them out and just give them as gifts rather than, you know, just uh, I figure they may want the money for their college, uh, future college loans there. But uh, uh, I, you know, I figure this is personal. It's something of mine. It's not something, you know, from, you know, factory produced or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's my picture, my writing that I put on there. And I just print them out and hand it to them. And I, I've gotten a few compliments from people or special occasions. I've handed them out to different people. And I just go and buy the little um, Lucite uh, frames at Walmart for a buck or something like that and put it in there and give it to people. I've got a few around the school that I've given to people. And I walk into their rooms and they got them sitting there. And like I say it's usually something kind of inspirational or something along that line. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that I like to do. And I don't know, maybe at some point I should get them together and maybe make a book out of them just for my own, you know, uh, pleasure. I think that's a great way to keep them uh, going into the future because, you know, I've talked about this ad nauseum for years that we, we put so much of our stuff, important stuff in digital format. And especially with photographs, there's no guarantee that this stuff's going to last far into the future. Yeah. I mean, right now you go to a you go to a garage sale and some you know you open up a shoebox and there's pictures of their grandparents and their little prints and you flip through them and then you you know you buy them for 50 cents just cuz people are selling old pictures. You know, people aren't going to be doing that with pictures now. They're on a hard drive. You can't even look at it and understand what what's on it. You look at this thing and you say, I don't know what's on it. It's a piece of metal with spinning discs. Um, and so I always think the best way to archive your images is to is to put them in print because you know fifty years from now no one's going to f- take up those hard drives that are sitting on your computer after we're all you know gone and buried and are going to look at them and, and a decide to migrate them to some you know future uh, storage device and not to mention we they may not be able to read them in the first place so mm-hmm. the photograph that's printed is understandable you know we. We have uh, hieroglyphics from the Egyptians. We can understand that because it was written in a, it's in a, in a permanent form. And so I, I really advocate for people to, for not every picture, because you know, you remember the time oh. you go to the <laughs> you go to the Walmart and you drop your pictures off and you get thirty six double prints, so you get seventy two prints, and you look through them and it's like, what? Are, and then you've got you know boxes of prints. Yeah. You don't need to print every picture, but those, Mike, like as you're saying, the special pictures. Yep. Uh, I. I think they're really worth printing. I, I went out, we took our friend out to dinner last night um, to thank him for something, and he got a gift for us. Uh, I think it might have been a belated Christmas gift, but I opened it up, and it was a print that he made. And it was a print that he had put on uh, a shot that he took on Facebook with his iPhone while walking to work. And it was of a, a stream, um, you know, an, uh, like a fall stream. So it was very gray, but there was a reflection on it. And I had pointed out that. In, in Facebook, I said, I wish I had taken that picture. It was really, really nice shot. So he printed it up for me. And, like, that is in itself, like, one of the best kind of gifts you can get. I mean, now it's permanent. It's not this lost in the timeline of, of Facebook, which, you know, I'm sure I could find it at some point. But 
now I've got this thing and I can frame it if I want or, you know, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Um, and I wanted to make a side note. He took it with his iPhone 6 um, and it was beautiful. I couldn't believe how sharp it was. And he had just gotten a, um, you know, a basic print at, it might have been a, you know, Walgreens or, or something. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a photo lab. It was just one of these places. I was really surprised at how good the print was and how good the quality of the camera um, on the iPhone was. I, I don't think I've printed anything for my iPhone 6 yet, um, but I was happily surprised. So we've reached the point where the camera almost doesn't matter anymore. The, the phones are creating, you know, cameras that are as, as good in some respects as the, the $1,000 cameras that we were using you know, a few years ago, even now. Yeah, I I know having prints and stuff like that is something I dearly enjoy. Uh, my wife, and I don't mean to keep bringing back, but she's a talent. <laughs> one of those two of us, um, I can write code. She can take photographs. But the uh, uh, we used to go to Myrtle Beach a lot, and one of her things was we would get up in the mornings and we go down and try to be on the beach just as the sun's coming up over the ocean. Mm. And living over in the East Coast, that's a perfect thing to do. And she had she caught a, a beautiful picture of a uh, shrimp boat silhouetted against the sun as it was coming up one morning. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, So about a year or so later for Christmas, she sent it off to, do you remember York Photo Labs? Do you remember when they used to be around? You'd send, they were one of the ones that you sent film to. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, towards the end, you could actually, and maybe they're still around, they would send you back the prints, the negatives, and you could also get a DVD with your pictures on it. You mm-hmm, could get it mm-hmm. three ways. But anyway, she had it printed at a poster size, much like you could do at Costco and stuff now. And I cherish that print to this day. It hangs on the wall. And, really? Wow. Yeah. It's, it, as, soon as, you, as soon as you walk into the house, if you go up to the top of the steps, if you look to the right, there hangs that big print that she made for me it's something i dearly cherish to this day that's great that's great i mean uh, just as you were saying that i thought another way of printing you know people are talking about canvases now you've ever printed stuff on canvas i have seen it done i have not done it yeah i used to not be a big fan of it because i don't know i'm just weird (laughs) (laughs) welcome to our world (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean certain pictures don't quite work on a canvas because of the texture mm. and, and whatnot. But if you find the right shot, uh, a canvas can be a really, really nice way to print your picture. And it's also a nice way to give someone something because they can choose to frame it or not be- because the the when you buy it, um, it already generally comes with the hanging accoutrements on the back. So you can just hang it up on your wall uh, or you can get it framed. But uh, the prices of those things have dropped a lot, and there's a place I use. Again, I'm not I'm not getting paid for these guys. <laughs> um, I should, but a place called CG Go Print, CG Go Print, I believe, um, has a really really nice process of printing on canvas and a nice backing, and their prices are incredibly reasonable. So if like you wanted to actually send someone um, a gift, they'll actually drop ship it, so you can order through them. And they'll sh- they'll ship it directly to the person you want to have it sent to, and the quality is really really nice. I was happily surprised when I saw them at a I saw them at a photo trade show, and I've used them a few times and fulfilled some client requests through them, and I I really enjoyed them. And I think the prices were really good too. I mean, like it makes it reasonable to buy something. Like if you wanted to take that picture of the you know the boat and the shrimp, you wanted to blow it up on a on a canvas, um, you could do that with them. And it's it's a very simple process. So, sorry, another another plug for. <laughs> no, hey, that's fine. No. 
we're not just a lot of, just like figure you're gonna you know people might want to know so well yeah and like a lot of this stuff you know i don't i don't look around a lot of this stuff i don't know about that and some of that you know now I got ideas going through my head, so you know my wallet is starting to get warm. I think I may have to spend some money or something here. Like that's hard for me to do, but yeah. Um, well, and then you said you know you said you do a lot of your processing on the iPad now, or at least some of it. Is there do you how do you get the pictures from your camera to your iPad? Yeah, I was going to say it's sacrilegious too, <laughs> <laughs> because I like I, I just take a step back for a second. I'm a, a big advocate, and I teach a lot of people how to use Lightroom, and I I I, I liked Aperture better when it was out. Um, I'm, I won't get into the the amount of anger <laughs> and annoyance I have at Apple for totally dumping that great program and letting it dry up in the vine. But that being said, I mean I have other juicier words for them, but though we're we're not bitter, are we? I, <laughs> I am. That actually take a second, but that program actually made me feel like a photographer again. And and it, there was a, it's an intangible. There was there's something intangible about the way that Apple created their interface with that. And when I would use that program, I I felt like I was working with photographs. When I use Lightroom, I feel like I'm I don't feel like I'm working with photographs. I feel like I'm managing files, even when I'm processing them. So um, anyway, that being said. I, like I said, I'm moving away a little bit from my computer because I really like the immediacy of taking a picture and sharing it. I pretty much share it right away. And so I'm using my iPad. I use an app, application called Snapseed as my main processing from Google. Yeah. It is, it is one of the best. It is, I think, the best processing app on an, on an iOS device. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if they have it for Android. I'm pretty sure they probably do. Yeah, I think they uh, do, yeah. Mainly because it's a very gentle, you can you can process very gently on it. Meaning, you, you know, when you're putting a JPEG on the on the iPad and you start processing with a lot of these programs, it pushes the JPEG to the extremes, and so the picture starts to fall apart a little bit. And with Snapseed, you can you can fall you can break a picture apart if you want with processing, but you can do really subtle adjustments, and that's what I like to do. And so I'm Mike. I'm transferring them using the Wi-Fi. Uh, adapter that's built into my Fuji cameras. Mm. So actually, I had a my previous Fuji, which I still have, is a Fuji X20, which I would recommend. The, the X20 or X30, it was I would I wouldn't want to call it a point and shoot, but I would say that's the closest thing that that, that Fuji has to a point and shoot in that series. Um, the X30 is the one that's the newest one now, and that one has built-in Wi-Fi. But my X20, I didn't have built-in Wi-Fi. I was using the um, the uh, iFi cards. Oh yeah, yeah. Which are a real pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Those things are just I don't know. I, I give them credit for trying. And their their tech support was great. Um I had a lot of problems with it. They just it was a hard thing connecting. So when I got the X100T, that had built-in Wi-Fi. So basically there's an app on the uh iPhone and iPad that connects directly to the uh camera and I can transfer not the raw files, but the JPEGs. I shoot both raw and JPEG. And my RAWs now are my backup files. Um, and I shoot RAW because then I can reprocess them on my camera. But ultimately, the JPEG is, is being transferred to my iPad and then bringing it into Snapseed for the most part. I might bring it into Photoshop. There's a Photoshop. I, there's three versions of Photoshop on the iPad. So like maybe Photoshop Express or something yeah. to, to sometimes uh, tweak colors. Like if I do a landscape, I might bring it into Photoshop because Photoshop's got some nice color gradations. 
um, that I like maybe to make the sky a little more magenta, which um, Snapseed doesn't do. But for most of the street shooting, all the street shooting you see, um, sometimes it's straight out of the camera, but most of the time it goes into Snapseed and then, you know, usually I'm uploading to Instagram uh, and Flickr. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, that's I mean, Snapseed. I know I've used that off and on. I think uh, Steve Stanger was the one that originally turned me on to that long time ago. It was either him or Victor. I can't remember which one of the two. Um, but I, I I don't like to process. I think in some ways, like you do, I'll tweak them a little bit, or I might, you know, sometimes I might want to brush out. Like when I did a Christmas picture this year, I wanted to get rid of the jumble of extension cords laying behind uh-huh. the kids and stuff uh-huh. like that. But that's all I really want to do. I don't want to spend a time, bunch of time tweaking uh, the pictures. And I also, like you, because I spend my whole day in front of a computer, I don't really want to do that. I've even taken the aversion where my iPad, I've talked about it on the show, has become more my main computer than this giant 27-inch iMac I have yeah. sitting here that we're that I'm using right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I got an iPad mini. And to me, that's the perfect size because it fits into all my camera bags nicely. And the screen is just big enough for me to do some of the work I want to do on it. And, and yeah, that is kind of replaced uh, a laptop. I mean, I've, I'm working on a right now a MacBook Pro, but I need that for a job. Um, but just for, like, what I'm doing, like when I go to the coffee shops, is you know, I, I'm, like, kind of done with all these big screen things. So I like to travel light. Yeah. The, and and tablets in general, not just iPads, but you know any tablet device makes life a lot simpler in my perspective. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, Mike, I interrupted you. No, no, I was just going to say I don't like to do a lot of processing either because I sit there. I don't know when to stop, and I've created a lot of Franken <laughs> pictures, you know, where it's just horrible, and you know. So I just realized that. I will go in there and try to tweak things, yeah, because I kind of like the sky a certain color or, you know, certain things. Or, like, if I, I kind of like to do silhouette pictures sometimes, so I like to make sure that, you know, it's nice and the silhouette is nice and dark. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I try not to do much um, because, like I say, I just – I don't know when to stop, and it's just bad. <laughs> That's yeah. the key is, like, knowing when to when to give up. and, and But do you want to be able to – I mean, you're trying to say something with your picture. So once you you know you look at it and you say it mm-hmm. says what I'm trying to say, that's when you that's when you mm-hmm. that's when you stop. And then, and if you can pull back a little bit and you can say, well, I can remove some of the stuff and I can still say what I'm trying to say with the picture. Uh, that's the thing. I I tend to, as much as I love straight out of the camera things, there pictures. There's still sometimes a little bit of information I want to add or define. And like like my my friend Keith said on my show, like I really want to make my my have my hand in it a little bit so that my signature is on the image so i have a signature look um and so there's always a little bit of that doing it i don't like pictures that are too processed and and kevin i don't i i've sort of stopped you know the i'm, I'm kind of not retouching things out of pictures anymore i mean i do yeah. retouching for for clients sometimes and so that the part of my job is to remove things and clean things up but for my own stuff 99%, maybe 98% of the time. There are some times I might do some retouching. It's really tricky to do on the iPad, by the way. No. <laughs> I haven't tried it there yet. So. It's it's not built. It, at least the apps are not really good enough for that yet. I mean, I, if I really need something done, I'll, I'll bring it to my computer and do it. But uh, I mean, at that point, I'll usually say, well, you know, do I really need that? Does that maybe there's a better version of that picture? I'll just skip that picture. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying not to 
I want to, you know, my photography is street photography. So I'm really just trying to show you and anybody what what life is like on the streets that I walk on every day. And so mm-hmm. to me, there's no reason for me to be manipulating them to an extent that is not showing reality. Of course, one could argue that any kind of processing, even changing it to black and white, is a manipulation, and that's true. Right. In fact, even just taking the picture is a manipulation of reality. I mean, anybody who 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 argues that a picture is truth is full of crap. Uh, the instant that you take the picture and the instant that you crop it, and the instant that you're – like all of that, you've manipulated reality. Um, it just depends on how far you want to go with it. So there there is always some manipulation to the picture. So yes, black and white, you know, we don't see reality in black and white. But I shoot – create a black and white picture because sometimes color is distracting and I'm wanting people to see, you know, shapes and, and, and forms and expression and not worry about all the, you know, the red jacket against the green wall, you know, that becomes something else. So, sorry, yeah. another, <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. No, I was going to say, because uh, I remember taking a picture once I was, uh, we was to the small town and there was this, um, plywood door on a building there that they had painted and it was weather checked and everything and I didn't want the color I wanted the texture of the picture mm-hmm. so yeah that I switched to black and white because then you could get the texture more and like you say you weren't worrying about the color you uh, you know you could kind of see you know what I what I was trying to get people to see was you know don't look at you know the fact that it was kind of a turquoise green color door or whatever look mm-hmm. at the fact that the plywood was starting to peel a little bit and the ch- uh, paint was starting to come off I I find textures i mean i i like taking scenes sometimes but sometimes i just like taking textures or you know pictures um i went up i got bored one day sometimes i challenge myself and i go out and do things so i went to the school one day and i was just walking through the rooms taking pictures so i went into the egg shop there or the machine shop uh, and they the there was this tray of drill bits there so i just took a close-up picture of all the drill bits because they're all spiral drill uh-huh. bits so and going in all kinds of shapes and directions and stuff and then i just kind of gave it a sepa tone just to kind of give it a little you know warmth or you know, a little bit of you know kind of little color to uh, set the mood for the picture and i thought that was a you know a pretty neat picture and it just was uh i just go out and do that sometimes it's what you know? What kind of conceptual pictures can I take? Sometimes macro pictures. Uh, uh, I've taken uh, pictures. We have uh, chrysanthemums, and they draw ants. So I've gotten mm-hmm. up there. Literally, the camera was like an eighth of an <laughs> inch. I was doing macro photography, but I was like right up there. And so I have these things that would probably be fit for a you know cheap sci-fi horror movie somewhere. <laughs> but I have these pictures, real close-up pictures of ants on the chrysanthemum. So you know, sometimes I just and I I've gotten away from it. I just need to go out and do that some more. Just come up with an idea today i'm going to do x and just walk out and you know start doing something like that yeah I, tom and i on our show have talked about one time we said you know like in the middle of the winter what can you do project wise and the idea to actually go out and do macro shots um and spend your whole time looking at like maybe like a square yard of a, a patch of some place and focusing on just this one area and just shooting that in macro for an entire day see if you can t- it's just wow. to, just to challenge yourself. Yeah, I know. It's a yeah. I mean, just to just to challenge what you can do. You know, I I walk the same streets every single day because I'm walking to a job that I'm going to. So I I have a de- definitive route. I go down Ocean Parkway, I go down Avenue C, and then McDonald Avenue, and then I'm on the train, and it's the same route. And I tend to I, you know, Kevin, you've seen the pictures. Yeah. 
the, the diversity uh, of, of just walking the same streets every day. So, yeah. you know, that kind of challenge, if you can go challenge yourself and, you know, you might say, oh, I can't do anything because it's, you know, I've done this before. No, that's the time when that's the challenge, seeing if you can do it when you've done it before. So, well, it, it's always interesting when you travel or go someplace all the time and then see something new or something in a different light. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. for, for myself, I have an extremely long drive to and from work. It's 45 miles, and most of the time it's it's in the dark, at least in the mornings, because I leave the house at quarter to six. And, um, you know, if I happen to work late, then it might be dark or twilight when I'm coming home. And one of the things that, that, that I am always fascinated by is I cross the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains coming and going to work. Mm-hmm. And certain times of the year when I'll cross the mountain, especially when I'm coming home and the sun's starting to set, and I have seen some amazing things, and I just don't have, you know, I'm going 55, 60 miles <laughs> right. an hour. So right. I'm pretty sure the rest of the commuters around me would be really pissed if I suddenly <laughs> stopped and, and hopped out to take a picture. But it would be nice. You know, I, I, I get a fresh perspective on my home that I've had for my almost my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, like you say, when you're traveling the streets the way you walk to work and, and to public transit, you know, and then I see this perspective, this different perspective, and it's like, it's so beautiful. I am so lucky to see something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes we have to just sort of rely on, you know, camera number one up here and and have a memory of it and not always yeah. reach over for the camera, too. I mean, that's, you know, a long time ago, I would go on these trips to Europe, and I spent most of my time behind the camera shooting pictures and then when i got back i was looking at the pictures and like the pictures were my memory of the place because i was looking at the the you know the scenery through a viewfinder so i sort of missed the bigger picture because i was looking at everything through these little this little viewfinder so sometimes it is good to just sort of stop and look i really have to that's a hard challenge for me to like maybe not bring my camera uh someplace i i just in december in january the end of december for New Year's, went to Jamaica because my sister was getting married there. So it was my first time to go to Jamaica. And my wife and I went. We were there for eight days. And I, before I went, I decided, usually I would bring all my gear. I got Nikons yeah. and my lenses. And I'm like, you know what? Screw that. <laughs> I said, hey, I don't want to... Sh-. First of all, I'm there really for the wedding because I'm giving my sister away. And I don't really, I just don't feel like carrying stuff and, and worrying about lenses and stuff. And I decided just to bring one camera and one lens. I brought my iPhone too. Right. But my, my Fuji camera. And I was thinking, well, I'll bring my, my, my I brought my Fuji X100T. And I was like, well, maybe I'll bring my X20 because it's got a zoom lens on it. I'm like, you know what? No, screw that. I'm just going to bring one camera and I'll deal with what I see there. Um, and it was, a, it was kind of a good experiment. Uh, and I would highly recommend that for those for those of us who are just burdened by decision making when we're taking pictures. Well, it's, it's it's the old adage, and I don't know. I've heard multiple people say, it, "Live in the moment, don't live for yeah. the for the moment you're trying to save." I guess is the best way to say it. It's something to that effect. I mean, sometimes you have to. There's a ton of pictures of my kids growing up over the years. My wife and my kids. Guess who's not in most of those pictures? Right. <laughs> I'm also ugly, but that's beside the point. Oh, <laughs> broken way too many cameras. Uh, but the, you know, the it, it is. I have to be more conscious, uh, more cognizant of being in the moment. Uh, yeah, and like you're saying, it's a good point. I am coming across the mountains. I'm seeing that beautiful sunset across the Shenandoah Valley, and it's just gorgeous. And I just right. have to 
process that and keep that in me. Right. Not everything has to go up on Facebook or Flickr, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, very true. Except for all my pictures of the lovely snow that Mike hates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can never take too many pictures of snow. <laughs> Melting snow. There you go. <laughs> my poor little white angels, you're being so cruel to them. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm freeing them, setting them, putting them to use to grow plants and <laughs> yeah. make the world green and produce oxygen. Oh, who needs oxygen? It's over right, who needs oxygen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, when I went on the, uh, before I forget, when I went on the trip to Jamaica, I did bring a backup camera, and that was my iPhone. And I did take a lot of pictures with my iPhone while I was there. Because uh, sometimes I didn't bring my camera with me, or I was just like at the point, like, oh, let me just grab something. And that camera was pretty darn amazing. Um, and I felt confident enough that I would use it as a backup camera. That's why I didn't bring my other, my other small one. I said, I said well, I'm going to have my bigger camera. If something goes wrong with that one, I've got my iPhone. Do I feel comfortable with my iPhone? Yeah, I wouldn't be happy that my other camera died, but I would be perfectly happy shooting pictures with this. Yeah, I know the last time we took a trip to, uh, I love to go to the Smoky Mountains, go down there in the mountains. I captured some beautiful scenes down there, you know, just with my iPhone. I did some good stuff with, uh, I have a little Kodak, it's a point and shoot. I don't remember Mm -hmm. what model it is. And it takes amazing pictures. But yeah, it was so nice. I mean, we were, the kids were riding on a go-kart track. We hadn't brought the camera with us, but I had my iPhone. And I got some priceless expressions as my oldest child was coming down <laughs> off of a ramp, and her and the go karts starting to catch a little air. And she, oh, really? Yeah, you know, it's it's just a great picture, and I got some good video too that we could bring back, and I could immediately share with the family, you know. And yeah. I, and the nice thing about the way the the way I was using the iPhone at that time, and it's kind of a combination of what you're saying, is I just put it on the fence. Mm-hmm. And I could still enjoy it, and I just was sitting there hitting the button whenever I thought it was appropriate because I'd looked through it and kind of, I won't say set up the shot because I'm right. not a photographer. I had kind of framed it <laughs> right. to where I thought it would be appropriate, and it worked out for most shots. And I could just sit there and enjoy the kids, you know, doing their thing, and I still had pictures and stuff to share when we got back. So yeah, yeah, I'm fairly confident that I could shoot a job just using the iPhone. Yeah, um, I mean it would it would be a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I would, you know, confident like I would shoot it. I could process it. I could deliver it. You know, depending on the job that I would do, I would feel pretty okay using that as my my only piece of gear, which is really just flipping amazing. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, considering I mean, I remember my first uh, quote unquote smartphone didn't even have a camera. It was an old BlackBerry, and it didn't. Even, it was one of the. Uh, cheaper models that didn't even have a camera. So, you know, when I got my first iPhone and it had a camera, I was like, wow, I'll take a picture of everything. Like <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a, a digital hoarder that way, too. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the other problem, especially when it comes to my kids. I have a very hard time deleting any photos of my kids yeah. or my cats. Cats. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 we've talked about cats because I, yeah, cause I've got two and I know you've got, what, two or three? three. We got okay. three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's you know they're they're like your children. I mean, ours become that way. So, and and yeah, I used to take lots of pictures of cats, my previous cats, with film. And use a lot of money spending on film. Now it's like, oh, I can just take pictures whenever I want, and have them on my phone with me and carry with them. And 
You know, you made me think of something interesting. Uh, I actually bought two cameras for Christmas this year. I gave my wife the one that uh, I was talking about, that uh, Coolpix. Mm-hmm. But I also, we got my daughter, and a lot of her friends were enamored by it. Now they're getting, it's the, it is a Fuji, but it's an Instamatic Fuji. It's the new ones that have come out. Yeah. She eats that thing alive and loves it. It takes a little... Sorry, it's the mic there. <laughs> Calm it, down, don't get too excited. Like, yeah, yeah, no, it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, there you go. I've got no. some true grip on this thing. Yeah. Um, it takes the little instamatic prints, right? Yeah. I've got a, I've got one of their printers. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. I bought it, uh, I bought it last year, and it takes, you know, business card-sized uh, yeah. instamatic prints. It connects to my Fuji camera through the Wi-Fi, so I can print directly from my camera to the printer but i was looking at those cameras too i mean they're a little some of them are a little you know fritzy for like i wouldn't want to walk around with them because they're like all kind of yeah yeah (laughs) not not very manly not very manly yeah yeah oh you know what what the hell i'll walk around with that you know what is that kitty thing the japanese kitty oh hello kitty hello kitty oh yeah (laughs) i'll get one of those just We're going to start a GoFundMe. We're going to buy Antonio a lot of Hello Kitty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Watch what you uh, say. Yeah, I know. Uh-oh. But, uh, yeah, those the Instamatic films, um, they're, I wouldn't say they're coming back, but I, maybe they are. I don't know. It's well, nice to see a little print that develops out of nothing again. Well, her, what was funny, when she took the first picture of it, she goes, Dad, what's wrong with it? It's not developing. It's still black. I said, turn it over. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, Oh, I thought the black side was... Like this? Yeah, Oh, God, she does that. And she knows it bugs me. I said, it doesn't do any damn good. Stop (laughs) waving the picture around. But I like doing it. It annoys you, Dad. Right. She's a teenager. She wants to know. But her friends love the idea because they document it. Because a lot of her friends keep written journals and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And they love it because they take these pictures and they stick it in their journal and then, you know, write stuff all around it. And they've got a memory that's probably going to last 10 times as long as anything else that that we might do but i mean they're just amazing the way this has come back i mean i remember when i had my first uh i didn't have the polaroid i had the uh kodak, kodak in- color burst color, color burst, burst. Okay. that's what their instant camera was called back in the day kodak? color burst yeah they called yeah. it when you had to crank out? no 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 it was it, it it was a little more modern than that the yeah, stu- they had when they had to crank that was yeah. a cheap one no, this was this thing was like this tall. It was probably yeah. uh, almost a foot tall, and it had a big film cartridge with batteries in the film cartridge, and you shoved it in there. You know, you know they got their their butt suit from from Polaroid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I got a settlement on that. And they sent right. you a thing. They said, "Well, you can get another Kodak camera." So I said, "Cool. What's the newest thing they've got out?" They had these cool little things they called the Kodak Disc Camera. Do you right. remember those? So yeah. I said, let me have one of those. Son oh of a bitch, God, if that didn't die. <laughs> I was like, really, Dang Kevin? Was, oh, my God, the Disc Camera. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, my Instamatic, uh, my Instamatic was the only thing that was, was consistent over the years. I could continue to use my little <laughs> Instamatic. Well, yeah, and I was kind of disappointed when Kodak, uh, you know, filed for bankruptcy. And I think they're trying to come back. I forget what they're doing. If they're doing printers, Good. I they're gonna. They're doing action cams. They have an action okay. cam, which I think is a brand name. But okay, I, to my two cents about it, this is probably gonna piss a few people off, and <laughs> I don't really care. But I worked with a company that worked with Kodak, and so I, 
and and actually a company I work for was purchased by Kodak. I worked for a stock photo agency and they bought Kodak bought us at some point. And so I've had a lot of behind the scenes mm-hmm. work with Kodak and those people just buried themselves. Those people Oh yeah. They could not get out of the 19th century uh in their thinking and you know I me and a lot of other people, I'm not saying I predicted it, but like you're just looking and say, what's with these people? They can't see the future, what's going on? And, you know, they had that, they had one of the first digital cameras to come out, which I think they had a, their sensor built into a Nikon body. It was this really sort of Frankenstein like camera, but it was the first digital camera. And they just could not get their act together. And I think they did it to themselves. And it's really oh. unfortunate because they had such a, you know, Kodak was such a brand, was such a, synonymous with photography oh yeah i mean they were photography in the united states mm-hmm. for so many years yeah and they shot themselves in the foot and i, I right. sorry i didn't feel so i didn't feel sorry for them at all and especially with some of the managers i had to deal with there they were just they they were thinking weird and i'm like hey you can't right. think like this and like well you know this is how we've done things before i'm like okay <laughs> see you later good yeah. luck with that how'd that work out for you guys let me have this rock let me have give you this rock to tie it around your ankles <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because I used to, you know, and I liked some of their cameras because I, uh, until they quit making them, I had like, I don't know, three or four different, you know, Kodak instant cam or digital cameras and probably a few of the, the old uh, 110 cameras or some of those. But, uh, yeah, I, I always liked their digital cameras. I thought they took pretty good pictures. They always had pretty good glass in them. Um, so, you know, I I had kind of a, and sometimes, you know, the first ones you use is the first ones you have affection for. So, right. Uh, so I've I've always kind of but yeah I do know what you mean though because I've read a few stories about how they thought you know the 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 physical side the uh, photo side was going to be there forever and well that kind of went away so it was more anger is more from frustration I mean it was like oh, yeah. you know you guys are you know you're you're your own worst enemy if you could just pay attention to the some of the outside world you could you could do something and they were like ah. and and I was like all right you know sorry. You know, you had good stuff, but you, you're letting it go. And their film stocks were, their Kodachrome film stock was one of the most beautiful film stocks that I've ever used. And, you know, growing nostalgic for it. One of the reasons why I have this new Fuji camera is that surprisingly enough, Fuji's got a Kodachrome simulation built into it. Ironically mm-hmm. enough, it had to be it had to be Fuji, who is Kodak's main competitor in yeah. film, to create what's called classic chrome on some on their newer cameras is one of the film presets which looks like Kodachrome which is why I've fallen in love with these cameras again because I'm looking at them like it reminds me of pictures I used to take way back when when I used to shoot Kodak film yeah you dumb idiots <laughs> this could have been yours this could have been you yeah but well, now it's your competitor who's burying you with your own film stock so anyway well, it's, it's the old saying, uh, like, if uh, the Union Pacific Railroad had realized they were in the transportation business uh-huh. and not the train business, you could be flying Union Pacific Airways now. <laughs> but they didn't quite grasp that one. But, no, you know, no. it's, it's, the, it's the same kind of thing. So, But anyway, well, that's... That's interesting because yeah, they're. The, I was just shocked when my daughter started talking about these film, you know, the instant cameras, and her friends were enamored. And I think two or three of her friends now have begged their parents, and their parents have now bought them these little instant cameras, uh-huh. and that's what they love taking pictures with. They just to them that's. I mean, because they grew up in an age when everything was pretty much a digital photog- photography, and now, right, right. Now and, they're like nostalgic for. I mean, for them, it's something new, actually. Oh, yeah, when they see the old black and white pictures, I, it was funny. I showed them a picture one time. It, it was me when I was, like, 
I don't know, 10 years old or something. And I showed it to my daughters and they said, why is, why is, uh, they were talking about my son. Why is John wearing that, that smiley face sweatshirt? I said, that's not your brother. <laughs> and they said, oh shit, dad, that's you. <laughs> no, they didn't say, oh shit, but you know, they said, wow. I said, yeah. I said, that's a physical picture. I went, yeah, we, we had those things. I mean, we've got tubs of that crap out in the garage yeah. right next to my albums that Mark gets all upset because I have my physical albums out there, you know, you know, LPs and 45s and totes and stuff out there. So oh, those things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've heard of the, um, you've heard of the impossible project, haven't you? No. So mm. the impossible project was the company or group of people who bought the patents from the failing Polaroid instant film machines. And so they've, um, rebuilt, a factory here in Brooklyn where they're producing the Instamatic film. So like your SX seventies, they've also, uh, they refurbish all these old Polaroid cameras, which you can then buy from them at a, you know, much more expensive than they used to be. Uh, and then you can put the, their version of the Polaroid film back into the, uh, camera and create instant pictures. So the impossible project uh, and I, I've been thinking about buying one of these cameras again. I mean, I don't have a lot of money, so I don't know how much they cost. Well, but now, are these, the one, are these the Polaroids that use the 600 film? Or? Yep. yep. I still got mine. You still have the camera? Yes. Well, then you can probably buy this film. Uh, they're the only company in the world making this. I'm on their site now. We're the only company in the world making instant film for classic Polaroid 600, SX-70, Spectra, and even 8x10 cameras. Wow. Now, now, do you know they... They said they're they're not cheap, but it's not bad. Color film for the six hundred is twenty four dollars a pack. So ten ten pictures, I think. Probably ten pictures. So that's you know, yeah, it's almost two and a half bucks per shot, but And you have still, to wave it. So. You have to wave. <laughs> <laughs> but they have different colored borders. You can buy them with like red borders and beige borders and black borders. Wow. Black and white and color film. Um, and I do know they don't have an, I don't see it on their site where you can actually buy the cameras. Maybe yeah. they do. Yeah. I, I bought one of, when they were still selling them brand new. I bought one of, you know, I'm really good at buying something just before it goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought one of the last ones and, uh, matter of fact, it's over in the storage closet along with, uh, uh some other stuff. Well, you could probably fire it up again. Oh, I'm sure I might even, it probably isn't any good. I think I might still have one pack of film for it. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It might they are be selling the, the cameras range, the SX-70s, and I'm guessing that they're refurbished, but they range from, well, they're about in the $400 range. So it's not cheap, but if you want that nostalgic look, you know, 400 maybe considering inflation, maybe $400 isn't so bad, and two and a half bucks a shot. But you use those uh, sparingly. But it, it is, and those pictures, by the way, Polaroid pictures are pretty permanent. Anything you take with those, and I think the uh, Fuji ones too. They're, they're going to stick around for a while. Well, yes, because I remember that was one of the questions back when those cameras first came out, is how permanent were those pictures going to be? And the ones that I still have around, they still look okay. They still look good, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're a little faded, but that could have been the way I took care of them, too. I mean... Yeah. Well, just like anything, yeah, if you leave them out in the, in, the, in the light too long, they will start to fade naturally. But I still have stuff... Some of the, the first camera... One of the first cameras I had was a Polaroid camera that you had to peel the picture off the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember then that. It, then you had to coat it with something. It was like a oh, fixer. Yeah. 
which uh, that smell reminds me of photography. Like if I if I ever smell that again, <laughs> to me that's an essence of photography. Like you know how smells trigger memories, but that smell of this. So you'd peel the print off. You take the picture. You'd peel it off, yep. and then you had to coat it with this vinegar-like substance, so that the picture would not fade. And any place that you didn't cover it with, it would actually start to fade. It starts to turn. Uh, Starts to turn sepia tone, so it looks kind of cool. But the places that you coated with actually stayed pretty permanent. And those are pictures I still have. They're still you know, shots of my cats, by the way. <laughs> I think I took when I was like ten years old or something. You know? Yeah, but that's cool. You, now I'm going to have to go through. I won't get a chance till maybe next weekend. I'm going to dig out my camera now. So when I order the film, I just put on there. Antonio said so. And if my wife ha- can, I have your phone number so she can call you. <laughs> <laughs> So I can say yes. It's it's okay for him to order order yeah. the film at twenty five bucks a pack. Actually, again, like I said, she likes physical print, so she would probably be just as happy with that if you could still do it. Oh, so, there you go. Yeah, so. they even have one that you can hook up to your, uh, your your you can take your phone and take a picture off of the phone from it. Oh wow! It looks like an upside down enlarger. Hmm. The film is on the bottom. You put your 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 phone on the top, and I guess it's it's got a lens and it's looking at your screen. So you put the picture on there, and then it and then it shoots a Polaroid of that. Next thing I know, I'll be doing Matthew Brady style stuff. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw his cam- I saw his actual camera at an exhibition in the city. They actually had one of the cameras that he used during the Civil War. I was just standing there, part of a part of a Civil War exhibition. Um, exhibition it's pretty awesome to see that well you know I, some of my favorite books that i have are uh there were books that were done after the battle of gettysburg and after the battle of antietam yeah. of the and have are full of the photos that he took you know after those two battles and uh for years i had to keep them hidden because my kids were younger and you know the right. blo- the bloated the half yeah. decaying bodies weren't something i needed to show my young children yeah. but um <laughs> But, you know, now they find it fascinating, too, to sit there and, and flip through them, especially like the picture of Blood Lane that I don't think he took that one in particular, where, uh, you know, they have the Confederate dead stack, you know, three mm-hmm. deep. Right. Yeah. right. It was just... Uh, well, you know, he wasn't he wasn't past, you know, these guys in the back then weren't past moving moving the the, the items in the picture around to, to suit their needs, you know. To, to give it that more gritty look. Yeah, they would move the bodies around, or they would stage things and make it look right. I mean, talk about photo manipulation. I mean, that's that's kind of Photoshop, and it's you know, <laughs> and it's very raw for <laughs> yeah, ugh. moving the bodies and stuff like that. But uh, you know, that's what they did. Yeah. So, well, I think uh, that's going to kind of bring us to the end. Unless there's something uh, else that you wanted to add to our photography discussion, there, Mister Rosario. Oh God, you, you have another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you want, <laughs> you'll have, well, I'll have to save it for another show. But I mean, I, I, you know, you get me started in talking about photography. I didn't realize we would spend the whole show talking about <laughs> photography. No, <laughs> so what we do. Okay. Hey, hey, no. it's, you know, it's, it's, sometimes we take tangents and never end up talking about the two other topics we had originally talked about. So you actually kept us on kind of a square square path. You might have won. Oh. Well, I tell, I tell you what. We'll give you, as, as is common, we will award you 10,000 geek points for keeping us on the straight and narrow oh, this week. Oh, boy, really? Okay. We're going to take them away from Mark for not being here. <laughs> uh, see, yeah, he's running a deficit. I, no, I don't no, think no, he'll ever. He, okay. well. No, I'd gotten him back up to zero. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe, can I create a bank? I mean, you know, can I lend them out and then yeah, sure, get some sure. return with interest? All right. Sure, you can uh, you can give them out to anybody you need to. That's fine. You know, we're okay with that. Right. It's, so it's, I, it, it's what we do here. <laughs> we're givers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could have talked about my camera bags. I could have talked about... You know, other photo apps on the iPhone and the iPad and batteries. And I don't know. I'm looking around my desk at like all the crap that I've got here that I can start yapping about. I do, I do like to, to push Fuji cameras, but uh, that will be another, another episode. And, and it's not because I'm not, like I said, I don't get paid by those guys, but I think, I think anybody like Apple or anybody, any, any of the equipment that we use that enhances our life somehow, I think needs to be, I don't know, appreciated somehow. And so, Someone gives me a piece of gear that changes, that helps me change my life a little bit is is worth really talking about. So, well, I mean, and, and again, that's what uh, this show is about. It's it's the stuff we enjoy. It's the stuff you can geek about. I mean, you can geek about just about anything. <laughs> believe me, you can yeah. do anything. I have. We, we we were talking before the show, and we'll have Antonio back. We'll talk about some. You know, I have my flash drive addiction. Mike has his every tablet that ever hit the market addiction. You know, Antonio has. He's not perfect, folks. He does have other problems too, just like the rest of us. But what, what did I say? It was it's my addiction to batteries. Yes, I'm. I, I need power. <laughs> Antonio lives in fear of running without power. This is the most. It's the most insane thing. It's like I carry. I've got two batteries in my pocket all the time for my cameras. I've got these. Jackery and and Anker batteries and this lime fuel thing that I carry around to make sure my iPad doesn't run out of fuel. I I never run out of power even when I just charge it, and so I have all these power things. So yes, I am addicted to batteries. So so that that so we so folks, we will bring Antonio back and have him discuss his power hungry uh, addiction. You know, and then maybe then I can work that into the uh, flash drives that I have, and we can use both things to upload it to Mike's tablets. <laughs> awesome. There we go. So, uh, before we go, we'll let, her, we'll let, her, let you plug everything. We do it the other way around and reverse backwards upside down from the way we started. So Antonio, please tell the kind folks where they can find out more about you. Oh man, you can find me in all sorts of places, but pretty much, uh, on Twitter and my website, if you look for AM Rosario, that's my name on Twitter. That's my website. That's when I'm on Flickr. What else? Um, but most of the time, I'm spending uh, on my Switch to Manual site, Switch to Manual, and we do our podcast, the Switch to Manual uh, Street Shots podcast with the Switch to Manual guys, me and my partner Tom Martinez. Uh, we do it once, maybe twice a month if we can, talking about. Um, not about gear in photography, although we do talk about gear, but more about the process of being a photographer uh, and a lot of uh, photographer interviews. So, you know, that's a great place to check us out, switchtomanual.com. Yes, and as I said at the beginning, please, and I wasn't trying to be disingenuous, follow Antonio on Twitter. His his photography, just, I love it. It's always the highlight of my day when I get one of his pictures that come through. It's just, you know, it's it's that different perspective than I get through the rest of my day so please go following kevin i really appreciate that thank you oh no i i say it with all honesty we joke and kid but i i do say that with the utmost honesty antonio between you and steve stanger i get most of my photo addiction uh, taken <laughs> care of that way so okay. i'm glad to be your pusher yeah there you go <laughs> mr mr mcpeak do you want to discuss how people might know to find you out yeah, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my uh, about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak, and I think I even have a few links to um, 
um, some of the photos I've taken, I haven't kept them up lately, but uh, I think there's some links to some of those there. So if people want to do that, but that's at uh, about dot me, uh, about us, uh, about me uh, slash Mike McPeak. That's M C P E. Yeah, I'm trying to do two things here, and I'm just confusing myself. Uh, and then I was going to throw a, a plug in for our podcast, uh, Sci Fi Tech Talk. Uh, we recorded an episode yesterday. Uh, we we uh, recorded. Um, about uh, Dark Matter, a sci-fi um, ch- uh, TV show uh, channel, yeah, uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel. There we go, science fiction show on the Sci-Fi Channel. And it happens to be a Canadian production, and so you know Jeff was really excited about anything Canadian. So, uh, but we got that recorded, and you can check us out. Check that out on um, SciFiTechTalk.com. Great, and go over and have a listen because, as I said, that's one of the the great thing about Mike's podcast. There is you don't have to listen to them in any particular order. They they're not uh, time sensitive because sci-fi is timeless. I like to say in most cases. So, folks, I want to thank you. If you want to find out more about me, the easiest thing to do is go over to twitter.com forward slash big underscore in underscore va. Or go over to about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to find out more about the show, go to geekiestshowever.com. Uh, re- reviews in uh, iTunes are always welcome. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed the show. And please, don't forget, between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. Hey Siri, I'm looking for a new podcast. How about three geeky ladies? Well, I want to hear about technology. As I said, three geeky ladies. I want to learn about different types of apps and websites that will help me in my day-to-day life. Um, Three Geeky Ladies fits the bill. A podcast that talks about new releases in Apple, like iCloud, Photos, new iPhones, and iPads. Oh, and El Capitan is coming out soon, right? As I've been saying, Three Geeky Ladies is what you want. Say, what about the Three Geeky Ladies podcast? That looks like exactly what I want. Thanks, Siri. Wow. Three Geeky Ladies, a technology podcast from a female perspective. Find it on the Stoplight Network.